Chapter Nine of Miss Marchbanks. This is a LibriVox recording. All LibriVox recordings are in the public domain. For more information or to volunteer, please visit LibriVox.org. Recording by Michelle Crandall. Miss Marchbanks by Mrs. Oliphant. Chapter Nine. It was not till Miss Marchbanks had surmounted to a certain extent the vexation caused her by her unlucky confidence in Tom that that unhappy young man took the step which Lucilla had so long dreaded, but which she trusted to her own genius to hinder him from carrying into execution. Miss Marchbanks had extricated herself so triumphantly from the consequences of that unhappy commencement of the very charming luncheons which she gave in after times, that she had begun to forget the culpability of her cousin. She had defeated the rector in his benevolent intentions, and she had taken up his protégé just at the moment when Mr. Burry was most disgusted with the unfortunate woman's weakness. Poor Mrs. Mortimer, to be sure, had fainted, or been near fainting, at the most inopportune moment, and it was only natural that the rector should be annoyed. But as for Lucilla, who was always prompt in her actions, and whose good nature and liberality were undoubted, she found her opportunity in the failure of Mr. Burry's scheme. After the rector had gone away, Miss Marchbanks herself conducted the widow home, and heard all her story. And by this time, Mrs. Mortimer's prospects were beginning to brighten under the active and efficient patronage of her new friend. This being the case, Lucilla's good humour was perfectly restored, and she had forgiven Tom his maladroitness. "'He cannot help it, you know,' she said privately to old Mrs. Chiley. "'I suppose some people are born to do ridiculous things.' and it was indeed as if he had intended to give a practical illustration of the truth of this conclusion that Tom chose the particular moment he did for driving Miss Marchbanks to the extremity of her patience. The upholsterers were in the house, and indeed had just finished putting up the pictures on the new paper in the drawing-room, which was green, as Lucilla had determined it should be, of the most delicate tint, and looked, as she flattered herself, exactly like silk hangings and Mr. Holden himself waited with a certain complaisance for Miss Marchbanks's opinion of the effect. He had no doubt on the subject himself, but he was naturally impressed, as most people were, with that confidence in Lucilla's judgment which so much facilitates the operation of those persons who are born to greatness. It was precisely at this moment that his evil genius persuaded Tom Marchbanks to interrupt Thomas, who was carrying Mr. Holden's message to his young mistress, and to shut the library door upon the external world. Lucilla had taken refuge in the library during the renovation of the drawing-room, and she was aware that this was Tom's last day at Carlingford, and had no intention of being unkind to him. To tell the truth, she had at the bottom of her heart a certain regard, an impulse of protection and patronage towards Tom, of which something might have come had the unlucky fellow known how to manage. But at the same time, Miss Marchbanks was aware that things must be approaching a crisis upstairs, and was listening intently to the movements overhead, and wondering why she was not sent for. This was the moment of all others at which Tom thought it fit to claim a hearing, and the state of Lucilla's feelings may be easily imagined when she saw him plant himself by her side, all trembling, with his face alternately red and white, and all the signs of a desperate resolution in his countenance. For the first time in her life, a certain despair took possession of Miss Marchbanks's mind. The sounds had suddenly ceased upstairs, as if the artists there were making a pause to contemplate the effect of their completed work, 
which indeed was precisely the case, and at the same time nobody came to call her, important though the occasion was. She made a last effort to emancipate herself before it was too late. "'Ring, please, Tom,' she said. "'I want to know if they have finished upstairs. I am so sorry you are going away, but you know it is one of my principles never to neglect my duty. I am sure they must be waiting for me. If you would only be kind enough to ring.' "'Lucilla,' said Tom, "'you know I would do anything in the world you liked to tell me. But don't ask me to ring just now.' "'I am going to leave you, and there is something I must say to you, Lucilla,' said the young man with agitation. Miss Marchbanks was seated near the window, and she had a moral certainty that if any of the Browns happened to be in that ridiculous glass house where they did their photography, they must have a perfectly good view of her, with Tom in the background, who had placed himself so as to shut her in the recesses of the window. This, coupled with the evidence of her senses that the workmen upstairs had ceased their work, and that a slow footstep traversing the floor now and then was all that was audible, drove Lucilla to despair. Yes, she said, temporizing a little, which was the only thing she could do. I am sure I am sorry, but then you know, with the house in such a condition, next time you come I shall be able to enjoy your society, said the designing young woman, but at present I am so busy. It is one of my principles, you know, that things are never rightly done if the lady of the house does not pay proper attention. They are sure to make some dreadful mistake upstairs if I don't look after them. I shall see you again before you go. Lucilla, don't be so cruel, cried the unlucky Tom, and he caught her hand, though they were at the window. Do stop a moment and listen to me. Lucilla, what does it matter about furniture and things when a man's heart is bursting? cried the unfortunate lover. And just at that moment, Miss Barchbanks could see that the curtain was drawn aside a little, ever so little, in the glass house. She sat down again with a sigh, and drew her hand away, and prepared herself to meet her fate with heroism, at least. "'What in the world can you have been doing?' said Lucilla innocently. "'You used always to tell me, I know, when you got into any difficulty, and I am sure if I can be of any use to you, Tom. But as for furniture and things, they matter a great deal, I assure you, to people's happiness. And then you know it is the object of my life to be a comfort to dear papa.' When she said this, Miss Marchbanks settled herself again in the recess of the window, so that the Miss Browns could command a full view if they chose. For Lucilla's courage was of the highest order, and nothing except, perhaps, a strategical necessity of profound importance would have moved her to retreat before an enemy. As for Tom, he was bewildered to start with, by this solemn repetition of her great purpose. "'I know how good you are, Lucilla,' he said with humility. "'But then, my uncle, you know,' I don't think he is a man to appreciate. Oh, Lucilla, why should you go and sacrifice to him the happiness of your life? Tom, said Miss Marchbanks, with some solemnity, I wish you would not talk to me of happiness. I have always been brought up to believe that duty was happiness, and everybody has known for a long time that was the object of my life. As for poor papa, it is the worse for him if he does not understand— but that does not make any difference to my duty, said the devoted daughter. She gave a little sigh as she spoke, the sigh of a great soul, whose motives must always remain to some extent unappreciated, and the sight of her resignation and beautiful perseverance overwhelmed her unlucky suitor, for indeed, up to this moment, Lucilla still entertained the hope of preventing Tom from, as she herself described it, saying the very words, 
which, to be sure, are awkward words to hear and to say. "'Lucilla, when you are so good to my uncle, you ought to have a little pity on me,' said Tom, driven to the deepest despondency. "'How do you think I can bear it, to see you getting everything done here, as if you meant to stay all your life, when you know I love you?' said the unfortunate young man. "'When you know I have always been so fond of you, Lucilla, and always looked forward to the time.' "'And now it is very hard to see you care so little for me.' "'Tom,' said Miss Marchbanks, with indignant surprise, "'how can you say I care little for you? "'You know I was always very fond of you, on the contrary. "'I am sure I always stood your friend at home, whatever happened, "'and never said a word when you broke that pretty little pearl ring I was so fond of, "'and tore the scarf my aunt gave me. "'I wonder, for my part, how you can be so unkind as to say so.' "'We have always been the very best friends in the world,' said Lucilla, with an air of injury. "'I always said at school I liked you the best of all my cousins, and I am very fond of all my cousins.' Miss Marchbanks concluded, after a little pause. "'It is so unkind to tell me that I don't care for you.' Poor Tom groaned within himself as he listened. He did not know what to answer to Lucilla's aggrieved yet frank confession of her fondness. Naturally, it would have been much less displeasing to Tom to understand that she hated him and never desired to see him any more. But Miss Marchbanks was far from entertaining any such unchristian sentiments. She even began to forget her anxiety about what was going on upstairs, in that delightful sense of power and abundant resources with which she was mastering the present difficulty. She reflected in herself that though it was excessively annoying to be thus occupied at such a moment, Still, it was nearly as important to make an end of Tom as to see that the pictures were hung rightly, for, to be sure, it was always easy to return to the latter subject. Accordingly, she drew her chair a little nearer to the window, and regarded Tom with a calm gaze of benevolent interest, which was in perfect accordance with the sentiments she had just expressed, a look in which a little gentle reproach was mingled. "'I have always been like a sister to you,' said Lucilla, how can you be so unkind as to say I don't care? As for the unhappy Tom, he got up, as was natural, and took a little walk in front of the table, as a young man in trouble is apt to do. You know very well that is not what I mean, Lucilla, he said disconsolately. It is you who are unkind. I don't know why it is that ladies are so cruel. I am not such a snob as to persecute anybody. But what is the good of pretending not to know what I mean?' "'Tom, listen,' cried Miss Marchbanks, rising in her turn. "'I feel sure they must have finished. "'There is Mr. Holden going through the garden, "'and everybody knows that hanging pictures "'is just the thing of all others "'that requires a person of taste. "'If they have spoiled the room, "'it will be all your fault.' "'Oh, for heaven's sake, never mind the room,' said Tom. "'I never thought you would have trifled with a man, Lucilla. "'You know quite well what I mean. "'You know it isn't a... "'A new thing,' said the lover, beginning to stammer and get confused. "'You know that is what I have been thinking of all along, "'as soon as ever I had anything to live on. "'I love you, Lucilla. You know I love you. "'How can you trifle with me so?' "'It is you who are trifling,' said Miss Marchbanks, "'especially when you know I have really something of importance to do. "'You can come upstairs with me if you like. "'Of course we all love each other. "'What is the good of being relations otherwise?' said Lucilla calmly. It is such a natural thing, you know. I suppose it is because you are going away that you are so affectionate today. It is very nice of you, I am sure. But, Tom, I feel quite certain you have not packed your things, Miss Marchbanks added in an admonitory tone. Come along with me upstairs. 
and by this time Lucilla's curiosity was beginning again to get the upper hand. If she only could have escaped, it would have been impossible for her cousin to have renewed the conversation, and luckily he was to leave Carlingford the same evening, but then a man is always an inconsequent creature, and not to be calculated on. This time, instead of obeying as usual, Tom, having as Miss Marchbanks afterwards described, but only in the strictest confidence, worked himself up to it, set himself directly in her way, and seized upon both her hands. "'Lucilla!' cried the unlucky fellow. "'Is it possible that you really have misunderstood me all this time? "'Do you mean to say that you don't know? "'Oh, Lucilla, listen, just five minutes. "'It isn't because I am your cousin. "'I wish to heaven I was not your cousin, "'but someone you had never seen before. "'I mean I want you to consent to... "'to... to marry me, Lucilla. "'That is what I mean.' I am called to the bar, and I can work for you and make a reputation. Lucilla, listen to what I have got to say. Miss Marchbanks left her hands in his with a calmness which froze poor Tom's heart in his breast. She did not even take the trouble to draw them away. Have you gone out of your senses, Tom? she asked in her sensible way, and she lifted her eyes to the face of the poor young fellow, who was in love, with an inquiring look, as if she felt a little anxious about him. "'If you have any feeling, as if fever was coming on,' said Lucilla, "'I think you should go upstairs and lie down a little till papa comes in. "'I heard there had been some cases down about the canal. "'I hope it is not the assizes that have been too much for you.' "'When Miss Marchbanks said this, "'she herself took fast hold of Tom's hands with a motherly grasp, "'to feel if they were hot, "'looked into his eyes with a certain serious inspection,' which, under the circumstances, poor fellow, was enough to drive him out of the little rationality he had left. Tom was so far carried away by his frenzy, that he gave her a little shake in his impatience. "'You are trying to drive me mad, Lucilla,' cried the young man. "'I have got no fever. It is only you who are driving me out of my senses. This time you must hear me. I will not let you go till you have given me an answer.' "'I am called to the bar, and I have begun my career,' said Tom, making a pause for breath. "'I knew you would have laughed at me when I was depending on my mother. "'But now all that is over, Lucilla. "'I have loved you as long as I can remember, "'and I always thought that you cared for me a little. "'If you will have me, there is nothing I could not do,' said Tom, "'who thoroughly believed what he was saying. "'And if you will not have me, I will not answer for the consequences.' "'If I go off to India, or if I go to the bad Tom,' said Lucilla solemnly, and this time she drew away her hands. "'If you ever want to get married, I think the very best thing you can do is go to India. "'As for marrying just now at your age, you know you might as well jump into the sea. "'You need not be vexed,' said Miss Marchbanks in her motherly way. "'I would not speak so if I was not your best friend, Tom. "'As for marrying me, you know it is ridiculous.' I have not the least intention of marrying anybody. If I had thought of that, I need never have come home at all. As for your going to the bad, I am not afraid of that. If I were to let you carry on with such a ridiculous idea, I should never forgive myself. It would be just as sensible to go into a lunatic asylum at once. It is very lucky for you that you said this to me, Lucilla went on, and not to one of the girls that think it great fun to be married. And if I were you, Tom, I would go and pack my things. You know you are always too late, and don't jump on your portmanteau and make such a dreadful noise if, if it won't shut, but ring the bell for Thomas. You know we are to dine at half-past five today to give you time for the train. 
These were the last words Tom Marchbanks heard as Lucilla left the room. She ran up to the drawing-room without losing a minute, and burst in upon the vacant place where Mr. Holden had stood so long waiting for her. To be sure, Miss Marchbanks's forebodings were so far fulfilled that the St. Cecilia, which she meant to have over the piano, was hung quite in the other corner of the room, by reason of being just the same size as another picture, at the opposite angle, which the workman, sternly symmetrical, thought it was necessary to match. But after all, that was a trifling defect. She stood in the middle of the room, and surveyed the walls, well pleased, with a heart which kept beating very steadily in her bosom. On the whole, perhaps, she was not sorry to have had it out with Tom. So far as he was personally concerned, Miss Marchbanks, being a physician's daughter, had great faith in the vis medicatrice, and was not afraid for her cousin's health or his morals, as a less experienced woman might have been. If she was angry with anybody, it was with herself, who had not taken sufficient precautions to avoid the explanation. But after all, everything is for the best, Lucilla said to herself, with that beautiful confidence which is common to people who have things their own way. And she devoted her mind to the St. Cecilia, and paid no more attention to Tom. It was not till more than an hour after that, a succession of dreadful thumps were not only heard but felt throughout the house. It was Tom, but he was not doing any harm to himself. He was not blowing out his brains or knocking his head against the wall. He was only jumping on his portmanteau, notwithstanding that Lucilla had warned him against such a proceeding, and in his state of mind the jumps were naturally more frantic than usual. When Lucilla heard it, she rang the bell and told Thomas to go and help Mr. Tom with his packing, from which it will be seen that Miss Marchbanks bore no grudge against her cousin, but was disposed to send him forth in friendship and peace. End of chapter 9 Recorded by Michelle Crandall Fremont, California, May 2009